One is named Remy. This is Remy. The other, Bobby Rocks. Bobby Rocks here. Together, they take you on weekly journeys of life from the point of view of Xennials, or people born in the late 1970s to mid-1980s. Their aim is to give a voice to the voiceless. It's the Xennial Odyssey Podcast. to the Odyssey. Okay, so it's 1 a.m. Saturday night, way back in the 90s. I'm sitting home, SNL just ended. I'm flicking through the TV and I find Glow. Gorgeous ladies gorgeous of wrestling. Gorgeous ladies of wrestling who, no disrespect to anyone, most of them weren't gorgeous in that league. Um, <laughs> Some of them subjective, were. No, Some were. of them were. But what was, were they good? Like, again, Very subjective. were they good wrestlers? Were they good wrestlers or was that more the TNA aspect? Yeah, that, was more, that was more for men to see women wrestling each other in a ring. At 1 a.m. with one the drugs. It was essentially... It was almost like... A, it was essentially like, female roller derby without without roller skates. Or glorified Ooh. mud wrestling, kind yeah. of. I like it. Know? Some uh, of those bitches were hardcore, though. Some of the uh, bitches would do some shit. Yeah, they had they had, they had a Russian. They had a Russian uh, <laughs> woman. Well, I forget what her name was, but... She yeah, had she red was, hair. She was kind of like Drago kind yeah. of deal. Yep. You know? Correct had, me if I'm wrong, but didn't Mickey James come from Glow? Maybe. I, I think know. I think she was the one that came from that no, like, no, super pre-scripted show. Was it Ivy? Ivory. Ivory. It was Ivory. Ivory. She okay. came from Glow, right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Everybody in Ivory. Yeah. I don't know what character. That was, that was an attitude era. Yeah, I don't know what character she played when she was in It was, was a little beast, but I was just <laughs> yeah. like, let's at least address it. Yeah, but she she was one that came from that, like, that super pre-scripted, essentially a television show, Yeah, um, which... Obviously, which, all of this is which, which I think helped her. Which I now. think helped her when she joined the WWE. Like it helped her because she had that background where it propelled mm-hmm. her. And which she, oh, yeah, Ivory was characters. Ivory was a very successful female wrestler in the WWE. Like, nice, quintessential. She nice. trained a lot of the female wrestlers. Like she owned her skills, and like that's what she was. Like she, I think she was initially a trainer for a lot of the female wrestlers. Oh, that's cool. What are your favorite storylines? Hmm, so many. Like Should we break one, it down by promotion? I like the one where, the, where they sleep with each other's wives. Uh, <laughs> oh, that one? That wasn't a promotion. <laughs> I think it's real life. Like a crazy one is like during the Gulf War period when you had the you had the baby face of Sergeant Slaughter. He turns heel and you now he's an Ir- Iraqi sympathizer. I yeah. He teams, I he teams up figure. with the Iron Sheik yeah. and they're you know they're tag teaming. Like that dude caught some heat for that. Real life heat. Real life yeah. heat. Not not backstage. Death, yeah. rate, death threats, all that shit. Imagine that. So that yeah, that's a crazy storyline. What about you, Matt? Um, I mean, honestly, it's hard to to pick just one. But if I am gonna pick just one of the best storyline of all time, you have to take a look at the Brothers of Destruction, mm-hmm. which is the Undertaker and Kane. Yeah, okay. That's that's a storyline that lasted for twenty years. And I like yeah. the horror shit. I like the horror elements it's to wrestling. The, the supernatural kind of weird shit. Yeah, that like. It really doesn't like belong there, but it does. But it works. Fantastic. It works. It's so theatrical. Well. They drop the lights. A theme comes on. A lantern yeah. goes up. That is fucking well carved out shit. Yeah, go, going like all the way back to uh, finding out, like, oh, Undertaker, you're the one that killed your parents and you <laughs> yeah, killed, no. killed your amazing. little brother. Oh, may may but, he oh, rest in peace. The the immortal. Oh, Miss, Paul Bear. Be, yeah, Percy Pringle. Yeah, Ooh, was it Will, William Pringle. Moody. Uh, yeah, Will, uh, Bill, Mo- Bill Moody. Bill Moody. Bill Moody. The guy who just always. Yeah. <laughs> Can I tell you the one wrestling event I went to was at the original Boston Garden before it got torn down. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And first off, Jerry Lawler wrestled the original Doink the Clown. 
and they had their they had their little people yeah. and they literally called it like a five and a half man tag match no shit like that's something you can't say today but before the undertaker fought i forget who the undertaker fought but he ended the he ended the the house show but before they did that they did a paul bearer lookalike contest mm. and there were like there were people who went up there who sounded like him but there came up this scrawny little guy who dressed like him had the white face he had a fucking urn <laughs> and like and as he's coming up the steps and we all see him the crowd starts going ape shit and he literally stops and he looks at the crowd and he pulls he pulls a bill moody look and then when they get in the ring he sounds like him and i mean obviously he won but that's my that's my one like bill moody i think bill moody doesn't get enough credit for like just being a manager right right yeah he, he was real big big cross promotion yeah for a long time he continued uh being a manager after he parted ways with wwe yes Right, so this is guy L.A. Knight that's in WWE uh, right now, and his his first manager was was Paul Moody as Percy Pringle. Oh, this mm -hmm. guy was still doing things. So, so speaking of Paul, speaking of Bill Moody, and speaking of Paul Bearer, speaking of the Undertaker, my favorite storyline, which obviously had a match that could, there was no way the match could live up to that hype, was from SummerSlam '94, Undertaker versus, versus the Undertaker. Undertaker. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, the Undertaker. So basically, so let, okay, let's let's peel back the curtain here. The Undertaker left. Because he literally was having like back surgery. So he's gonna be out for months. Literally, actually. Like in okay. real life, he was having back surgery, but this is what they did. It was at the Royal Rumble. He was fighting for the, the world championship and it was a casket match. So you put your opponent in the casket, shut the lid, done. He was gonna beat Yokozuna. This dude is like 500 pounds, but then literally like all the bad characters came out and jumped him because Ooh. of like Ted DiBiase and someone grabbed the magical urn and they took, they took the lid off. So all of his power goes out. Mm -hmm. And he gets, he, gets put, he gets put into the casket it's shut, match is over, but then he's up on the Jumbotron and he's saying like, he'll, he'll come back. And then right behind the Jumbotron is what looks like the Undertaker emerging. Like it, for theater purposes, it yeah. was wild. Yeah, there was like a huge yeah. like lightning strike yeah. and it was like boom and then <laughs> So, so the, Undert the Undertaker, Mark Calloway, Mark Calloway is his real name, but uh, that's a surgery that's gonna, that, yeah, it's gonna keep you out for like literally six, seven months. And so they kept that storyline going with things like people would see him here, people mm -hmm. would see the silhouette. And then uh, like, probably around like April, because that happened in like January of 94. Right around then, Ted DiBiase, we haven't talked about Ted DiBiase. Ted DiBiase was phenomenal. As just a dollar man. Yeah, as just a heel. And everybody's got a price. And he brings out this guy who kind of, but not really looks like The Undertaker. And he's just, instead of uh, the power of the urn, he goes for the power of cash. And then all of a sudden, Paul Bear is coming out saying that that's a fraud. And he challenged like his Undertaker at SummerSlam 94, and that ended it. And so first comes out Ted DiBiase without any, because that's Ted DiBiase. He's the man. He comes out, and he comes out to the money, 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 money. And he's got, you know, the huge gold sequin dollar sign on the back of his I mean, the guy was just masterful at what he did. And so he comes out, and he announces. And he's like, the one, the only, the Undertaker. He comes out. And then, and then he gets back and Winkle gets back on there. And then he says the one, the only, the undertaker. And then Paul Vera comes out and there's nobody with him. And I think this was Vince McMahon with Jerry Lawler calling it. And I think that's a great call by Jerry Lawler. Like Jerry Lawler, just in that moment. Oh, he's got no one. He's got nothing. <laughs> and then comes out a black painted, the casket, which is now black with yeah. people wearing like fucking hooded robes and shit. And they just bring it down to the ring. I think it would have been cool if he came out of the casket. Like they didn't have to, basically they can bring out this urn that's like four times the size of his normal urn. And Paul Bearer takes the, takes the top off and there's lights going everywhere, lightning going everywhere. And then his silhouette comes out and he walks down the ring. But I will say this, I think this is Vince McMahon's iconic call. When he, when, when the silhouette comes out and he goes, and he's like, oh, Paul Bearer and the lights go out. And then you see it in the crowd season, the crowd goes nuts at the same time. And he goes, and oh yeah. And he goes, that Jerry, now that is the undertaker. And you 
and you see like the look on the fake Undertaker and, 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 and yeah. you see the look on like their face in the ring selling it like awesome right, right. like they just they're looking like disbelief like and then two Undertakers fought and it really wasn't good I, there was almost <laughs> no no it, it's it's because for such a great storyline as that is the match is such a letdown right that's fair well I yeah. think I think Vince McMahon was always great at that like yeah. adding that like his take on things had just it elevated matches, like yeah. his commentary and all that. Yeah. Just the way he would express himself. And people and don't like, talk about the mess up where like under like Mark Calloway almost catches his throat on the ropes. Like that's a real thing. Like it was basically like supposed to throw him so he would catch the ropes like here, but the guy like slipped and he slipped and he like caught it here. And you could tell you could tell it wasn't it wasn't even like something that was salvaged. It was yeah. just a oops and like yeah, Vince and Jerry tried to like do whatever, but yeah, other than that, it was just it was like two like at the time, like two very slow, bulking just characters and it was like in hindsight it's almost like one of those things where you're like eh, i'm not surprised i wonder why as an 11 year old mm -hmm. it just didn't dawn on me that this really wouldn't live up to this magical thing well because when you were little that was like larger mm -hmm. than life yeah. it was it was a yeah. spectacle that's what it was you know what the best match of that of SummerSlam, that SummerSlam was was Feel that, free to ask our Bret guests Hart some questions and, yeah. too. Was that Bret Hart and Shawn it was, Michaels? No, no, no. It was Bret Hart and Owen Hart in the steel cage. Oh, that yeah. was a great match. They, they, they still had the yeah. old blue ones. Yeah, the old blue the, steel cages. Yep. Big blue. Well, I was gonna say to, yeah. to piggyback on that, like say, like because there was this match where Mick Foley, I think he was at cac he was Cactus Jack at the time, <laughs> but he goes, he flips over the top rope. And as he flips over, oh, yeah. his head gets caught in his between caught. the middle rope yep. and the top he's rope. Zero. And he's dangling. So, yeah. And he's the, dangling. The, yeah. the rope was like like pinching his head. And, and then when they shit. pulled him out, it ripped the whole top of his ear off. Mm -hmm. yeah, that, that, was, that was him and Vader. <laughs> so gross. Yeah. That was him and Big Van Vader. Yeah. Speaking of that, actually, that's a great segue for a question for you guys. What? Not talking about the blading incident earlier, what is the most violent injury you've seen gotten by mistake during a match where you watched and you were oh, like, oh. dying no. <laughs> and they didn't they but they they didn't i think unfortunately they didn't show i think what remy's saying is what they actually like showed. oh well you actually yeah, saw, you saw it in a yeah. match yeah uh, like that's actually yeah. that's the best yeah one. that's yeah. the worst like, no. i don't know the, yeah. the irish guy with the mohawk that crazy dude seamus yeah i don't know he got hit out of the ring and genuinely got knocked unconscious and you could tell he knocked his skull and i was like holy shit mm -hmm. something like that where you were like um, wow that probably wasn't supposed to happen. any anytime a wrestler is like broken or dislocated an ankle for me like, it's it's psycho sid jumping off the top oh yeah. i was gonna say wasn't him breaking in his ankle yes yeah. Yeah. you just see like his, you just see it like, fold yeah and yep. you just see boop and it's like there's and that guy and and psycho said yeah he was a pretty Tough guy, but you oh. even see he's kind of like I can't really. I'm yeah. kind of like no. That, that's the one yeah. that makes my stomach turn yeah. every you time. See a, oh, you see yeah. a seven foot tall yeah. man. You see his leg just kind of fold in half yep. underneath him. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I would say uh, going again, going back to ECW when Sabu got his bicep ripped open in the uh, barbed wire match. I saw that. So the yeah, the ropes, the ropes are replaced with barbed wire, and he got caught in there. And what does that fucker do? He fucking rips from his own pants and he just like cinches up his arm and continues mm -hmm. fighting. And, and and it's like it's it's kind of masterful how he, how unfazed he was by it. Like all he does is kind of he's like, and then you just see him kind of rip and just put shit together. And I get continue. how there's a market for it and how there's a certain target audience, but like the extra extreme shit, I just can't get beyond. Mm. I, I can't get behind like using glass tubes. Uh, mm. I, I know so well, like many the CZW stuff. Get CZW. I was gonna say depth, depth charge matches. There's like, so much like the the Japanese death wrestling. Like mm -hmm. there's so much out there, and obviously people like it for whatever reason because people still feed money and give it revenue. Yeah, but I I can't get behind. I it. agree. 
everyone's here seen Darren Aronofsky's The Wrestler, right? With Mickey yeah, Rock. What a pop. Oh, yeah. I mean, how, but that's pretty realistic to those kind of like house extreme yeah, matches. You're like, going to die. Like, and, 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 and I mean, I mean, everything about that is realistic. Even when they go backstage and all of your, all of your other coworkers are giving you applause because yeah. that, that takes, that takes balls and that, mm -hmm. that takes a will that some, that there's a lot of wrestlers who won't do that. And the way the movie and, won't tell you if you die. And then the EMT, and then the EMTs come in and they're literally pulling staples out of you. Yeah. That movie is a great example of just showing how the classic wrestlers from the 70s and 80s, like, that's how they live now. Mm -hmm. Like, those guys, they can't make money performing anymore, so they have to do, like, those Crazy little remedial yeah. things, and, like, mm -hmm. they might have had been at the height of their fame and, like, had huge success, but now they're performing in bingo halls, you yeah. know? Yeah. And mm -hmm. just to at get, like, 60 years old, uh, taking body slams just know, to make a hundred bucks, it's, you know? It's fucking depressing as hell, you Who's, know? And that's another aspect of the business I think you guys should address, you know? I hate to bring this up, and I, I mean, I apologize, but the wrestler who killed his wife and... Oh, Chris Benoit. Chris Benoit. Yeah, mm -hmm. Chris like, Benoil. you know, head injuries. He's bl and, and he's blacklisted. Like, yeah. And I think that's a shame, because he's an iconic wrestler in the business of wrestling. And I understand why, but I think it's a shame that it's just completely he is erased. Yeah, but you have to. Yeah. I think a good question to ask, and I mean, this could be applied to any medium, at what point do you separate the, the character and the person portraying yes. the character? agree. Yeah. Agreed. And you agree that some of those people don't know how to shut yeah. it off. And that goes yeah. with all media, well, well, yeah. not just not, wrestling. Not only that, but think of like, uh, you know, Tom Cruise, great actor. When he was going through a mental breakdown and jumping on Oprah's couch, like maybe the person is, has some stuff to work on. Yep. But, but he's great at what the, he does. The actor is great, so yep. I can support mm -hmm. that, right? Yep. Yep. Where is that line? Mm -hmm. Does it take you, you know, killing your wife and strangling your child with wrestling equipment? Mm -hmm. You know, uh, look at Vince McMahon. Look for everything that he's done for the business as far as yeah. uniting the territories, making it mainstream, yeah. making it a global presence. Mm -hmm. But the downside of it, obviously, he's a yep. little bit of a fucked up person <laughs> with all of these, you know, sexual assault and rape allegations that are coming up right now. Yeah. He's been doing it for, for decades. When he hasn't been doing roids, along with his wrestlers. <laughs> when he's not pushing his wrestling, where yeah. he's getting, getting put between, like, uh, before, like, uh, what, the Supreme Court or whatever it was, the high, it was a very high, high the level. Steroids, yeah. right? The steroid steroids, thing, yeah. yeah. Forcing his, his employers to, to take steroids, signing over the company to his wife so he couldn't get it taken you away. You know who does yeah. that now? Fucking Marvel. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, mm -hmm. you can't, I'm sorry. Like, we're talking natty, but everyone knows that you don't go from, like, Chris Pratt fat to Chris Pratt ripped in four months before his movie. You well, you do. do. You just get a lot of bovine human growth yeah, hormones. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> but you know, and I think that that's that's one of the a little bit of HDH worst yeah. parts of wrestling and um, MMA. Any contact sport like that is you're taken care of when you're mm -hmm. at the top, and then you're fucking just thrown away. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, people who have concussive injuries. That's bad news. That mm -hmm. can cause a lot of oh, other. Yeah. Uh, we have that iconic sad. I mean, a sad event that went on in Fall. It went on in Fall River, Massachusetts. Scott Hall. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. That we, went on. We that went right down the street from us in Fall, where, yeah, where Remy and I live in Fall the, River. The Armory, right? Yeah, yeah. He he had a legitimate like medical incident, mm -hmm. and he was hospitalized at um in in Rhode Island at Rhode Island Hospital, I think. 
Yeah, I think it went to Rhode Island. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, he, he, he flew into TF Green. And like, yeah, he was. Yeah, all and people, up. people said, people were like saying to him, like, he, he's wheeled into the ring. He can't stand up. He still has his bracelet from the hospital on, uh. and so you can hear people yelling out, like, "Oh, you relapsed again!" Like, and and he's out of his mind because he's on like doped up, and they're just putting him in. And yeah, and yeah, they just put him through it. And the promote the promote the shame on that promoter. He just didn't want to lose money. And this guy literally like, fucking what. Eight, nine, ten years before that was, was on top, top of the fucking top world. That's what I mean. Top they of the world. Dis- yep. They get disregarded unless you're like, you know, now another thing for me to mention for you guys to kind of expand upon is a lot of wrestlers who try to get into film, because many of them of the bigger iconic ones do, like name a Hulk Hogan movie that doesn't suck. Mm. Name mm. a Hulk Hogan movie. Yeah. Oh, Suburban, Suburban Commando. Commando. I know. It's it's a classic. So yeah. If you if you watch the beginning of the movie, just off note. You notice yeah. there's a guy on the side of the road, and when the camera goes by, he throws his dog into a fucking pond. Mm. It's insane. <laughs> I've watched it a hundred times. Like the extra was like, you know what? No one's gonna see this. Whips his dog. So next time you're watching that, but The Rock. The reason I'm asking is The Rock just did it in a way that's far more successful. Yeah. And do you think yeah. like with Roman Reigns? Obviously, they want the same thing. They do you want to produce a human that will just make millions for your organization, right? Listen, you want to re- be able to recreate that, but I don't think anyone's going to. Yeah, no, that's, that's why no. I bring it up, because n- so many try. I mean, I, Batista is another amazing... I love Batista. As he's a as great, a, actually yeah. a great actor. The Rock isn't a great actor. The Rock plays The Rock. The, yeah, he's he's himself and everything. Yeah. 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 Same as John Cena. kind of charming in some of his yeah. shit, you know? Batista, Batista was a bright spot in the, the, the sequel to Knives Out. He was yeah, a bright. He was, he was a bright he was spot. One of the only yeah, he was only. Have you guys seen the I single that knives out? No. He's one of the redeemable. Not that I liked him. He was a shitty character, but he had a lot of fun playing the role. But anyway, yeah. um, so I mean, are there? So no one else is probably going to replicate. With the I rest of I am still holding out hope that John Cena plays uh, Ernest. I'm sorry. He he looks he he's, looks a oh, lot like Jim Barney. He's like he's like a bulky, now that he's yeah, slimming down a little yeah. bit. He's and when he throws his hair out, he's killing it though. Yeah. Like he was really good as Peacemaker. He yeah, that whole show and that when, show. Was I'm I'm sorry. Fantastic. I'm sorry. I haven't laughed that hard at a line like if it took me to suck all these dicks to like for America, I would suck all of them. Like. <laughs> Well, he was he was in uh, he had like cameo in a in that Amy yeah, Schumer movie. Yeah, it was like a, funny. He was pretty. It funny. was a funny. Yeah. It was a yeah. funny cameo so, in that. Mm-hmm. But you're right. For uh, every oh, two, I will suck you off. Yeah. <laughs> and to a lesser extent, hit, for a lesser extent, Edge. Like Edge. What Edge? I thought Edge was awesome in Vikings. Awesome oh, yeah, in Vikings. Yeah. I didn't see that. He, oh, yeah. I didn't he, know that. he transferred over. Yeah, yeah. Fair he was awesome. Um, but I mean, yep. you have you have failures. You have mm-hmm. Steve Austin. All right. How many direct to DVD movies did he have? <laughs> like I enjoyed his roles in um, what was the Expendables? Was Expendables. he in Expendables? Yeah, yeah. he yeah. was in that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so I, I liked his roles in there. That like, he does a good job playing Steve Austin. That's yeah, it. you know, That's but it. you know, he's not going to be a Clint Eastwood. You know, sitting on mm-hmm. a porch oh. somewhere playing some Quiet iconic role. Yeah, right? get off my lawn. You know, he's like, not going to be able. Even he, who has such a presence and he, he's well known and is he has recognition. He's never going to reach even like a Roddy Piper level of oh, of, of Hollywood. They live. They, they live. live. Right, 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 right. It's got one of the great fight scenes. Well, ever. that's what I was going to ask when you said there was a Roddy Piper fight outside. I was like, was that a little bit no. of an homage to They Live? Because that's you know what a twenty-three minute fight scene or something. <laughs> yeah. Just because he just because he didn't want to wear some.
One thing I, I want to circle back, but mm -hmm. you, uh, you had asked a question, like, how do I get into this? I'm, I'm not someone that I'm not really into it right now. How do I get into it? Mm. My suggestion would be to find one of your friends that is into it. And whether you know they are or they aren't, someone is. Ask them to show you their top five favorite matches. Mm, that's a good way. Their to put passion it. alone. Yeah, yes. that's what Jamie did with me. That's yeah. what he did. He's like, Rem, shut up, smoke this blunt, watch this. Just watch it, and I'll give you like some background, like in the middle of it. It's like, oh, well, the whole reason they're doing this is because you know this is what happened leading up to yeah. it, and this is what happened Wait leading for up to it. This move, bro. Exactly. Just the passion. You're gonna feed off their energy. Yeah. Uh, Rem, you want to be entertained, and you want to laugh. And you want to just be captivated. The 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 importance of the energy of a crowd, no matter how big it is. Oh yeah, very few people can play a crowd like ECW. Like ECW one night stand RVD versus John Cena. How savage the ECW crowd was to John Cena. Like oh, they like was, I'm talking in uni in unison. Like because it, it was at that like the the Hammerstein Ballroom or whatever in, in New York Philly. City. It was yeah, in Philly. Like, wasn't uh, it? No, it was, that was in uh, Manhattan, but it was at a 2,500 oh. seat venue. What am I thinking? And of the um, Philly oh, because the that's where um what do they call it? Extreme Arena. It's now like the EC, the Hardcore Hall of Fame. Literally, the crowd, like the crowd's chanting like Cena swallows, like singing John Cena sucks to his theme song. Like the crowd's John Cena sucks, John Cena sucks. And he'd, he'd pull a wrestling move and then the crowd, you can't wrestle. And then he pulled like his signature moves and they'd same old shit, same old shit. And you'd see him at times, he'd stop and he'd play it up. Can you imagine the, the way the energy must have been for like that? Something that he was always so good at and what I think he continues to do is feeding off the crowd, whether yeah. it's uh, a positive energy or a negative energy. The fact that he's getting you to react, mm -hmm. he can just go yep. either way. See, I it. think different from you. I think that that level of hatred must feel as amazing as that level of love. You got the them all by the balls hand. and just I can't imagine it. I can't imagine it. You know, it has to be just... But I love, I love like, I, I mean, One Night Stand was just magically, it was a wonderful put together thing between Paul Heyman and between Vince. It was mostly Paul Heyman. It was obviously because it was ECW, but like using that to kind of relaunch ECW. They tried and it, because it, it just never was going to, that was magic. That was magic in a bottle and it wasn't going to last. Like it, yeah, that's, that's not it, something you can It was replicate. a candle that was burning at both ends. That's not something you can replicate. The, the people performing literally paycheck to paycheck. And they were out there because it was a passion of theirs. Yeah. And you could tell that it yep. was a passion of theirs. And yep. they were putting more and more and more of themselves on the line. Yes. Because yep. they didn't know if they were going to get paid next week. So right. we got to bring these people back next week right. just so we can have some sort of like continued right. revenue. And there's so many, like, I was telling, I was telling Matt when we uh, were hanging out last week, I asked Matt, going to house shows or local shows that are just not, they're like so independent promotions. Like we go to around here at like a gymnasium. And I, and, and I asked him like, who was his like favorite wrestler he got to meet and who's his least favorite wrestler he got to meet. And I told him that, that at one of mine at the same one at the gymnasium at Bridgewater state university, I got to meet Virgil who is the most detestable human being I've ever met in the wrestling business. Really? Cause he's just so like, he thinks we're at this tiny little thing, hundreds of people he's making, he's, he was, this was like 1996 and he was charging $20 for an autograph. Hmm. Wow. Virgil. And he, yeah. And, and Virgil. Yeah, you know, if people don't know, Virgil's like, a, you know, he's a low level kind of just kind of like in the mix, but not really like, you know, popular, huge popular. But you, you know. know who else was on that bill? Mike Awesome. Really? And I got to meet Mike Awesome and Mike Awesome was awesome. The awesome bomb. Yeah. I remember, uh, was it Mikey Whipwreck? He used to have some great matches with Mikey, Mikey Whipwreck. When you know? I think of Vince McMahon, real talk, this is what I think of. Oh, and he's rushing, and he's rushing into the can. Oh, yeah, he's puking on that's the puke. Yeah. <laughs> yep. he, he, like, gives what he would have given if that guy ever made it into the ring, right? That was that yeah. documentary with Puke who never yeah. made it, right? 
Well, he oh he made it, but oh, he did. He ended up be, becoming paralyzed. It was a uh, was it? Uh, I do uh, know draws. about that. D'Lo Brown was it? Draws? Yeah, it was draws. Mm. Wow. D'Lo Brown, he, he paralyzed him. He, he gave him a pile driver, pile, yep. and he fucking broke his neck. Was that the Co- end of pile com- drivers? No, they no. still use no. them. But, oh. <laughs> but many wrestlers are very careless okay, yeah, that's when they do pile drivers. Mm-hmm. They started um, like outlawing the maneuver. That's what um, I heard. After Owen Hart did it to Steve Austin, yeah, almost Steve paralyzed Austin was him. The yep. biggest draw that they had, and, and he broke just, his neck. You broke, you broke our biggest draw's neck. Wow. <laughs> yep. And you like in that match when you see it, like when you, when they do the pile driver, you have to sit the guy's head up like high up in your crotch area. Wasn't at all. Yeah. Jumped. So when you kneel, when, when you drop to your knees, that guy's head isn't hitting the fucking mat. You're absorbing. Whereas Steve Austin, when you did. see that footage, you see Steve Austin's neck literally hit the fucking mat before Owen Hart's fucking force puts him down, mm-hmm. and you just see Austin's neck compress. Like, you just mm-hmm. see the fucking yep. neck That's compress. That's terrifying. It's crazy. Not to that level, but they also in the in the mid nineties started to pay closer attention to make sure that like the ground outside was level. Mm. Because that essentially is what ended uh Rick Root's career when he fought Sting. It's because they fought on an elevated they oh, so they wow. they fought so far away from the ring that Sting and Sting wasn't away. Sting didn't do it on purpose. There was a difference. In but the but he but yeah, he went to suplex him, and when he suplexed him, he suplexed him onto a surface that was like three inches different. So his top so basically from like right there down. Wow. was three inches higher than than the rest of him when he landed and it basically like warped his spine obligation to step in great question so if you if like that's your passion that's how i want to go rick flair he had rick flair's you know most recent retirement like six <laughs> months ago and it was a tag match this man has a pacemaker he has had multiple heart attacks mm-hmm. he almost died three years ago four years mm-hmm. ago when do we have to stop them for them how do you do it that's what i have to ask you guys I w- that's the question i right? was and i was going to ask you as a side to that i mean rick flair from the 70s and the 80s is arguably the greatest wrestler in the history of the sport. Yes. And he has tarnished his career with what went on in the mid-90s and beyond mm. because he just would not walk away. Like, he would not walk away. I don't know. Mm. Mm. Say that, it. That's a tough Yeah, one. I, don't, I don't know. I don't know about that. I don't know just if he's because tarnished his, his yeah. career. I don't, I don't know. Like, Would you consider even, him the greatest wrestler of all time now? He's in, he's in, he's in the conversation of, like, top two, three, yeah. 2000, yeah. 2020, Ric Flair? You no. You don't 2000, the, 2015, Ric Flair? No, I mean the entire <laughs> package, the whole body. Yeah, yeah, I, th- yeah. I, think, I think much like a professional athlete like who who's deter- mm-hmm. who stays around too long, it yeah. tarnishes their legacy. Well, I mean, is, is Gretzky any worse because he only scored, what, nine points that's, that's in not, his, his last you know, season or whatever it was? I'm pretty sure he scored like 63 points in his yeah, last like, season. I think, I'm, I'm just saying not, that's not a good example. You I think, I think it's more of a worry at this point where like you see this this older man, you know, getting in the ring and putting himself out there like it's dangerous. Like better yet, I mean, wouldn't it have been if it, if it ultimately was this, but it ended up being like his 47th retirement? Like the way when Shawn Michaels put him out, wouldn't that have been the greatest? Like, yeah, the that, greatest that's when it should have been, been the end. And that it should have been. been the end. Like that. And do you, like, honestly, do you think that's like real emotion from Shawn Michaels? 
I do. Yeah. I do. Oh yeah, I yeah. do. I'm I sorry. I, I love you. Because yeah. I think I think Shawn Michaels thought that that was Ric yeah. Flair's end. And like, you know, I, and he, he that's uh that's another great reason why Shawn Michaels is a great performer because he he's very he's always known the moment. He's always been able to be aware of the moment. Man. Do you know what we're talking about, Rem? No. So so it's like a retirement match. Whoever whoever loses has to I retire. Ric Flair is essentially too fucking old. And 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 so are. so it comes down to that he's gonna get sweet chin music, which is the move Shawn Michaels does. Yeah. And and basically Ric Flair's like stands up and he just says like. I'm ready for it. And before and, he even kicks him, he goes, yeah. I love you. Yeah. And so and they, they zoom, him. they zoom in on Shawn Michaels, face and he looks at him and he kind of looks at, has that look of distress. And he says, I'm sorry. I love you. And then he kicks him and he pins him and then he embraces him. He gives oh, him a hug and you yeah. can see him like choked up. And then because Ric Flair's family is by ringside and it's like a big thing, he, he steps away. Like he, he's like, Nope, this is your spotlight. Wow. That's fucking cool. But that's that was like people love wrestling, yeah. but that was like 22. <laughs> That was 22 Ric Flair retirements. I'm just representing the minority. I'm, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Yeah. But no, I do. I, and it's hard to not get caught it up. It draws you in, man. Be impressed yep. by it. Draws it. You yeah, in. I think it's really hard to, even at the beginning, I was like, I'm not going to say anything. Motherfuckers <laughs> <laughs> are good. And then I'm like, wait a minute. This is goddamn interesting shit. And, it draws uh, you in. Yeah. And I mean, so let's make a prediction right now. I'm curious, guys. You've watched the evolution of it since you were both kids. Tell me about wrestling 10 years from now. Shit, I think it's going to be... Uh, well, you know, it was in, the, the in, the, in, the, in the current demographic of things, I don't think it can get too wild. Yeah, you know? that, yeah good call. That's so, true. I mean, who knows where... It'll just be awesome wrestling continuing to thrive. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think uh, we're arguably in maybe like the second best... Era? How would you say it? I, I think era is like... You think of like uh, the golden era, okay, the, the so attitude yeah. era, yeah. the ruthless aggression era, the PG Okay, how about era. this? The second I renaissance that, of wrestling. Well, th that's what I was going for, but I didn't want to sound too uppity. No, let me. Do you know? Do you know <laughs> what helps? Oh, let me. Did Allow you know? Me. But you know what helps? The the monopoly at least partially was broken because because yeah, Vince Vince basically monopolized and there wasn't enough legitimate promotions for challenging talent, and then we had. I just think like AEW comes to my mind, but mm. um, no, I think like I said, I think we're in the the, the second greatest uh, period right now to mm -hmm. be a wrestling fan. First, unarguably, is the Monday Night Wars, oh. the ninety seven to two thousand period, WCW, WWE, both at their their pinnacles. Right, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right now, there's so many options out there for you. You have the the WWE, you have the 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 burgeoning AEW. They've been around for three or four years now. Mm -hmm. New Japan Pro Wrestling is putting out some of the best stuff that they've ever done. TNA yes, right now TNA. is... TNA looking, is the one Billy Corgan writes for. Uh, NWA is the one that he owns. That's what I meant. So t <laughs> the, the, the that's t a TNA second, is that's, putting out some that's of the, the best stuff that they have. That's the reincarnated NWA, right? Um, that was no, formerly I think, I think WCW was NWA. Like, well, well, it was NWA. wasn't in a mixture of so was, that and Jim Crockett. Like the, the, like the kind of NWA. Yeah. There was a, a a mix, a splitting, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, really cool. a cartwheel. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah a, whole, a whole bunch of stuff. You see that we go. So it's, a, it's just essentially it's a great time to be a fan. It's kind of the takeaway I get from from all you guys. It's like you know, yeah. There's there's lots of options out mm -hmm. there, um, and. Don't even get me started on like indie promotions like Beyond or Fight Life or anything in New England right now. It's going great. GCW, Gorilla Pro Wrestling. There's, there's so nice. many different options out there. And I mean, it's a huge result because of what, mm -hmm. what Vince did by bringing yeah. everything together. Making it mainstream. Yeah. But yeah. like, but also like what Bobby says, like that monopoly was broken up. Yep. We don't have that one giant, you know, corporation at the top anymore. You get better because you have competition. Yes. Yeah. When TNA Impact came along to begin with, they were they had a good decade, and mm -hmm. then you know completely fell off the face of the earth for a long time. Yep. But they 
forced Vince to do a little bit better than he was doing. Similarly, how WCW forced him to change. WCW became bigger than WWE at the time. They were drawing in bigger numbers, and they had higher revenue numbers. I saw the podcast Eric Bischoff was on uh, last week where he talked about going to that uh, board meeting, and they told him, like, when the ads, the attitude era was starting, they wanted a more fam- family friendly wrestling promotion. Mm. And he was saying like, you guys realize that that's not what people want and it's going to kill this thing. Yeah. And it did. And, and I sent Matt that I sent you that video of Paul Heyman calling it in the mid nineties. Well, I think that's what, yeah. I think that's, you know, what they thought was like, you know, like our generation, we grew up young. Right. And then we transitioned, we got older and are like, you know, mid to late teens. And they were like, okay, we're going to lose this audience. Mm-hmm. We need to change. We can't just keep it kitty. These people are getting older. They're going to age out. So we need to make it a little bit more edgy and do that. And that's, that's what, that's how I think that's how the attitude uh, era kind of came Earthed. about. Yeah. Cause they were like, our audience is older now. We need to placate to them and have more, you know, adult content. And then once we got to the point where we weren't watching wrestling anymore, say like in our late twenties, that's when they reverted back to the, you know, the, yep. was it PG-12? Or hitting PG the reset. 14? Hitting yeah. the reset. Hitting button. the reset to, yeah. to kind of bring the new generation back, mm-hmm. back in. And now you can see it. They're slowly becoming a little bit more edgy again because yeah. those kids are aging out now. They're getting older. Wow. So now they're becoming more adult. It's, it's, it's a little circle of yeah, life. Yeah, it's, it's, what it is. Yeah, it's, it's pretty yeah, fucking it's wild. Is. And that, that new generation of fans that were brought in when they had the whole Xena, you know, going back to the PG era, you got to think, those kids are fans or i should say children of the fans yeah. of the mm-hmm. attitude era yeah and that's how that's how they got introduced to wrestling because you brought them into it and like yeah. you, do you want to bring like say you know say you're a 20 you know 30 year old man whatever and do you want your 12 year old or your 10 year old son watching attitude era wrestling no probably not you want him to watch the pg kind of stuff yeah you know? that makes sense the stuff that you know when i was young started watching and kind of just developed you know i think the most like shocking thing from when we were like little kids was his jake's snake gonna bite somebody like like literally like that was one of the the most like craziest things like that that whole storyline when 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 he had the cobra bite uh savages like when he had him bite him like that was fucking um, like kids were like in the audience mesmerized like he pulled a cobra out of the bag a fucking poisonous snake bites randy savage on the fucking bicep bicep. And like people were fucking freaked out by that. That's yep. amazing. But though. like, I won't go into it. But Jake, Jake, Jake Roberts tells an amazing story about Ooh. that whole thing about how that what led up to that, how yeah. Savage approached him, and how they planned that out. whole thing out. If you really want to know about that whole story, <laughs> it's, it's a how great about, fucking story. I won't tell it because Jake Papa, Roberts tells Papa, it best. Papa, Papa Shango go. doing voodoo to the Ultimate Warrior. That was a storyline. You know, like that he voodoo possessed him, his body, Papa oh, Shango. Like, how, wasn't yeah. Warrior like foaming at the mouth and stuff? He was like spitting out like a black liquid. That was just natural cocaine. Yeah. He had left at the side. I know. Hey, Ultimate Warrior was he was he was on a different he level. <laughs> he was pure cocaine. Yeah. Oh, you guys have seen cocaine? Cocaine Bear? Nothing to Cocaine Warrior. Yeah, right. That's actually just <laughs> like, a metaphor nothing, for him. Nothing to Cocaine Warrior. We can go off on another tangent on Cocaine, cocaine Bear. Cocaine Bear, right? <laughs> I know.
with some like Mount Rushmore stuff. You're right, talking well. overall, overall Mount Rushmore. So I got like two different perspectives I okay. come from, right? And we're talking like individuals, not yep. like best storylines, not best. But wait, promos. tell people who are just completely um, like they're picking their what your four favorites. I'm gonna go with um, again two different perspectives. What first one? Maybe we can go around uh, the four most influential to the business. Oh, that's a. I mean, that is that's a great one. That's a great I'll one. I'll start because I'm slow hanging fruit Go. of Hulk Hogan, obviously. I was, yeah, I was going to say, I mean, you have to, if you're going to like pose a question like that, it has to, Hulk Hogan has to be a part of it. Yeah, yep. he's in the he conversation, does. obviously. He does. Yeah. Um, what was his character in Rocky Three? Thunderlips? Thunderlips. Thunderlips. Oh, yeah. I thought it was um, Terrible Racist. I oh, read the wrong screenplay. Mm. He did. He that did. was the wrong movie. <laughs> yeah, 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 you got, right? no, Remy, we're talking about Hulk Hogan, not Mr. T, who is also in, in Rocky Three. No, I was thinking yeah. about Hulk Hogan's sex. <laughs> One of my, I would say, if, like, for the Mount Rushmore, I would say Gorgeous George. That's a good one. Just because yep. he was the one. he was the first flamboyant kind of yeah. you know character, ultra like out there character. Like a lot of a lot of wrestlers modeled themselves after Gorgeous. I'm gonna George. go. I'm gonna go outside the box a little bit, but it, I mean, for you guys, it won't be outside the box. Bob Backlund. Mm, you have to put great. Bob Backlund. He was great. he was the he was the champion for like six years straight. In, in a promotion, like in a promotion where to what's what is like a what's the shelf life on a champion now? That's a good question. If if they're champion for like a year or longer, they're considered pretty good. Yeah. Bob Backlund was champion for like se almost seven years, like wow. six yeah. and a half years. That's impressive. And so, he came back I, I'm, for a I, second run. I'm pretty sure they did it because it is a coincidence. It was around the time of George Foreman, like when George Foreman won the heavyweight boxing title. Bob mm -hmm. Backlund is of similar age. So they had him come back, and he won the title, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. He did. Yeah. Won so, it again. So he's a two, so then he's a two time, and he probably has the record for most time between at the time. Probably had the record for the most oh, time like the between gap, titles. Gap yeah. Between. Gap between. Yeah. Yeah. So if I'm going to go uh, four most influential, first one Frank Gotch. He was uh, widely considered the the first American wrestler mm -hmm. um, for an, an entertainment purposes. Yep. And that was back in like 1905, something like that. Um, number two. Uh, Bruno San Martino. Oh, mm -hmm. good one. Holds the record for selling out Madison Square Garden. I believe he's up there with Mr. Billy Joel. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> that's a true thing. It's a, it's, no, no, it's, it's a banner up there. Yeah, it's, no. impressive. It's, yeah. impressive. it's impressive. Like it's impressive. It's <laughs> impressive. You do know Billy Joel was up there or a fucking wrestler was up there too? No, I didn't know. Okay, that's what I mean. With Billy Joel. <laughs> yeah, I that's what I mean. assume that they both no. sold the fuck out of uh, <laughs> right. Madison. Uh, number three, I got to put uh, an probably Antonio Inoki. New Japan. Um he really made wrestling massive around the world. And they have one of the largest fan bases um, over in Japan. Is that that big blonde guy? No, no. You know no, the guy I'm talking about? This, this American guy fought, a, I believe, a Japanese guy. Okay. They're just punching each other in the face in the corner of the ring. You know what I'm talking about? I'm, I'm familiar with what you're talking about, but that's not Anoki. Okay. Just, uh, at least... Bob, Bob Sapp? No, I don't know. <laughs> no, Bob Sapp was a... A different kind of beast. <laughs> Bob Sapp. Bob Sapp sounds tasty right now. Huh? Yeah. A little Bob Sapp on some French toast. No, probably for for Anoki, the 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 most famous mainstream uh, match, I guess you could say that he had was against Muhammad Ali for charity, oh, and wow. um, it was widely considered like the birth of like MMA. I've seen he, that match. Yeah, yeah, because Anoki he just crabbed around the whole time and he kicked Ali for real over and over and over again. And any chance mm -hmm. that he got, Ali was trying to like swing on him, and like the refs ended up stopping the match after yeah. three or four rounds because oh, they're like, "Oh, this is a great, it's a draw, you know, you know, give thanks for your money for charity, boys." <laughs> literally, like how it played out in Rocky Three. Yeah, 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 yeah. like literally. Same no, end. That's yeah. that's exactly what they were they yeah. were going for wow. in, in Rocky Three. It was off the Anoki Ali mat. 
That's um, cool. But then for, for number four, obviously, it's Terry Bollea. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hulk Hogan. Hogan. Yeah. yeah. Um, Hogan brought it main back to mainstream. He was the first one to have any sort of merchandising. Yeah. Um, He's a baby face's baby face. Yeah. Like in his yeah. prime. In his and everybody knows. Everybody knows. Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah. We, we worked with kids who would do the Hogan. You know what I mean? Like special needs kids doing a Hogan impression. Mm-hmm. But. It's it's he's hugely iconic. If I had to, and so if I'm jumping, and again, my window, like you guys are historians of it. I'm not so much a historian of the sport, so I'm limited to literally like the mid '80s to late '90s. But I would say for me, in that period, and I know I we had a little back and forth, but for me, it starts with Ric Flair because I you do have to give Four Horsemen era all that. Like Arn Arn Anderson is one of the criminally underrated wrestlers for how sound his techniques were, and he was just. A wrestler's wrestler, but but like yeah, for me like Ric Flair was the first one who tied it all together, mm-hmm. and he had that charisma, and he had, and he had that, and with the platinum like blonde hair, and <laughs> yeah, and and just the fedora, and you know just like the flowing, and and yeah, I, you have to put Hulk Hogan there because of what he did to put it over the top. I would say, again, like this this is just me. I'm wearing his I'm wearing a sweatshirt. Hulk, Hogan, I'm not sorry. I'm sorry. Randy Savage. Randy Savage, because Randy Savage was like the epitome of intensity. But then I don't I I think casual fans don't really they don't really understand like how he was how high flying he was and Mm. and how technical he was because of the macho man persona. Yeah, That was his character. Yeah, his character was everything. He developed that like his and like wrestlers will tell you like guys. Savage was that intense. Yes. On camera and yep. off camera. That was yeah. he would that was that him. was his personality. That, that was like, him. He was full force, yep. just intense all the time. His career got cut short ultimately was but was Bret Hart. I think Bret Hart was Bret Hart is just what he meant, he almost single handedly at one point was carrying the WWE. Like who was the draw? It was Bret the Hitman yeah, you Hart. Could, you could absolutely argue yep. that he was he WWE. was the WWE. For for a, for the and the Montreal screwjob yeah. and, and by the way, like again, speaking of times where he wasn't playing, like that his reactions were real. Like he wanted to leave as the champion and behind his back, Vince is like, I'm not, no, you're not doing that to my, my organization. Yeah. You still have people out there saying he was, he was part of it, but then you also have people out there saying that the earth is flat. So (laughs) I also throw, I also throw dusty roads in there. Oh, dusty roads is yes. Dusty roads. Great. You know what else? I mean, there's so much we could have favorite promo of all time. Um, I'm the son of a Midwestern plumber, baby. I'm going to, I'm going to do as much as I can with this because there are, there are other ones we we want to, because I did bring this up to Matt. So then we have characters, then we have uh, categories, like who's the most underrated? Mm. You don't have to do most, you don't have to do Mount Rushmore. You could do like two. Who's your two most underrated wrestlers? Underrated? I yeah. would say Owen Hart. Even I though, would agree. Even though, he, even though he damaged a couple guys, mm-hmm. he was still a great, great underrated wrestler. He, he didn't get the push that his brother did. Right. And he had to live in his shadow of his mm-hmm. brother. And, they, and, and, and I think it's like, it speaks to the Hart family because they actually tied that into storylines. But it's still like fucked up. Like sure. we're not gonna give you the push because your and brother's they, and, Bret Hart. and they played it out as a storyline. Yeah, too. like it was like actual real life storyline. Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah, like as far as underrated wrestlers go, I'm, I I don't have any like real names right now. But you have people like um, the Brooklyn Brawler. Oh you know? yeah, Brooklyn because he he was just out there to lose. <laughs> so, yeah, somebody yeah. that's a that's a, a perennial yeah, jobber. Yeah, yeah, right. Like you're you're there. You're called enhancement talent. You're yeah. there to make other people look better. Yeah, they so call them doormats. Yeah, you're you're what? constantly doing the job for everybody else. You're, you're 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 going out on your back. You're taking the pin, but you know that that's your job. And yeah, that's okay. your gig. Like, yeah, if if you're someone that's okay with that, you don't have these grandiose schemes of you know becoming the best in the world or whatever. It's like, no, I'm here to collect a paycheck, put a good match together, yeah. and make you look good. Right. 
I think Bobby, you had mentioned you had saw the the interview that Bischoff did, yep. like recently, mm-hmm. um, and I I had watched a few segments from that where he talks about Hogan and how like he's gotten such a bad reputation over the years. People say he's an asshole, like mm-hmm. all this stuff. And Bischoff kind of like he's like, no, that's not that's not the Hulk Hogan that I know. Most people think Eric Bischoff. Yeah, right, <laughs> you know right. what I mean. Like, and, but he says that too. Yeah. He's like, people have these these misconceptions of me too, just because of my character that yeah. I played on TV. So people, you know, they build these you know misconceptions about us. He's like, but he's like, no, he's like every every intimate thing that I've ever had with Hogan, like you know, spending time with him with fans. He's like, anytime we would be sitting in the middle of uh, of a meal and a fan would come up and you know. Oh, you know, uh, can I get an order? He's like, a lot of times people will just be like, no, I'm big eating. time. Can't you see I'm yeah. eating, you know, doing this deal? He's like, never once did I see Terry push a fan away. Complete aside, by the way, um, my friend, Jason Cox, he talks about how um, he's getting into like psychedelics to kind of, as opposed to taking like medicine, but he's all, he's a former uh, Marine. He's yeah. a veteran Marine and he works with veteran services. But when he was in Iraq, he met Robin Williams and he met John Elway. Yeah. And he said John Elway was the biggest asshole he's ever met. Mm-hmm. And he said, like, because he walked up to him while he was eating as a serviceman on active duty on a base in Iraq. Right. And he literally looked at him and was like, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. This is why you're here. You're, you're, here, to, you're here to fucking cheer us up. You're- by the way, Robin, <laughs> Robin Williams, may he rest in peace. He said complete 180. Like of the course. most awesome, most He's awesome guy. Because Robin Williams yeah. is a he was fucking a treasure. champ. He was a treasure. Peace, <laughs> yeah, he was a treasure. That's fucking Patch Adams right there. Yeah. <laughs> That's Mrs. Oh, no. Delphi. I don't disrespect. <laughs> no, listen, he brought... He brought... <laughs> I would say good morning, Vietnam. I was well, I was gonna go I was gonna go with awakenings personally. Maybe you know? he's still just Mork for Mork. A duo, because to me, they're they're both linked because they wrestled at the same time. Mm. Uh what Vader and Bam Bam Bigelow did for big people in wrestling. There's mm. nobody that's been like them since. Mm. Like, like big men of their size are not supposed to be able to do moonsaults and go off the top. They're not supposed to be able to do stuff like that. And they, they are doing it. Right, right. Like, and nobody, nobody did it before. Well, Bam Bam probably did. If you say, I mean, Bam Bam, Remy, you must know who Bam Bam Bigelow is. Bam Bigelow, yeah, yeah. Yeah, probably. the guy with the flames like tattooing on his head. Like, come on. And he wore the flame like, yeah, like that. That, that cool dude was doing bath salts. They look terrifying. That dude was doing bath salts. I was also going to bring up. <laughs> he also had no teeth. Salts. <laughs> <laughs> I think the, yeah. his four front teeth were missing. Yes, they were. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But I was but I was also going to bring up uh, even though it was planned when Vader when the guy asked him if, he, if wrestling was fake. And that was a great storyline. Because mm-hmm. basically they made it like he was in prison for assaulting like a news reporter <laughs> in another country. <laughs> <laughs> and the dude just wore like a I don't even know why the fuck was going on with that leather thing he wore on his face. Like it was it was just the epitome of like I'm terrified. Smeller <laughs> 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 during matches. <laughs> Yeah, but he wore that on Boy Meets World. <laughs> he did. A little Tupanga juice. That's right. Oh, shit. Tupanga. Tupanga spice. <laughs> so, guys, basically, my goal was that... This was two episodes. We were doing two episodes. I mean, we have enough for probably probably three episodes. So, guys, thank you so much. Yes, this was thank a you. Yes. joy. Thank you so much. Yeah, awesome. Please come back. Yeah, we'll talk about... I mean, me. shit. Wrestling's good, but there's a million things that we oh, can yeah, do. We could have too. some many interesting conversations, yeah. for sure. Yeah, we have a lot of shared interests across the board. Yeah.